Welcome to the What Is Life Dude podcast. We're your hosts, Eric and Sarah. I'm a freelance musician. And I'm a vegan chef and food blogger. This is where we share our thoughts about building a healthy relationship, working as creatives on our own terms, and living with intention and authenticity. We don't have it all figured out yet, but every conversation gets us a little closer to answering the question, what is life, dude? Hello, and welcome back to the What Is Life Dude podcast, everybody. Welcome back. This is our first episode that we are also filming, so if you prefer to watch things on YouTube or listen to things on YouTube, um, that'll be in our show notes on our What Is Life Dude podcast channel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're, tr- we're trying to not make it um, weird, like a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like we're like we started this whole new thing. Mm hmm. And Sarah's like, just... It's still the the same podcast. Right. It's still episode... We've still done 52 episodes of the podcast. <laughs> There's just a camera pointing at us now. Right. I had to wear actual clothes. And usually I, when we're recording the podcast, I'm in bed under many layers of blankets. <laughs> and I'm sitting up today. I have a, a beverage. I have a mushroom coffee. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the only difference is really... Like, we're much more comfortable... Mm-hmm. when we're when there is not a camera on us right like i usually have like my mic like boomed in and i'm like just slouching and my legs are up or something mm-hmm. and you're in the bed which is right over there yeah i think it'll be good though i think it'll help us reach some new people mm-hmm. eric recently did some research and found out that youtube is actually right the primary place people stream podcasts mm-hmm. which i wouldn't have guessed it's interesting i mean <laughs> i i found out recently that youtube is where music is streamed the most Mm-hmm. and so i guess it makes sense that podcasts are the same way but youtube's a lot bigger than we think so yeah if you're watching thanks for watching greetings and if you're listening <laughs> i mean it's the same podcast like you were you were trying to hammer home right so today's episode we're kind of taking it back we're rewinding and we're gonna we just kind of wanted to lay some foundation we want 2021 to be the year we really prioritize the podcast and hopefully hopefully grow the community a lot so Although I know a lot of you are longtime listeners and probably know a lot about what we're going to cover in today's episode, we kind of just wanted to lay some foundations for new listeners. Um, and we're going to do a little spotlight on Eric today. Yes, I am I am the star of the show <laughs> this evening, if you're listening in the evening. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're trying to just kind of like, we want to just lay out like Sarah's story, my story. And there will be things that you guys have already heard before, if you've listened for a while, maybe some new things. Mm-hmm. But we kind of just want to talk a little bit about what makes us each ourselves. Yeah. Um, and that'll kind of, I don't know, it'll kind of help us. It'll, it'll make future things make more sense. I agree. You know? um, th- I was partly inspired this concept was partly inspired by the fact that I listened to some old episodes of a different podcast that I really love. It's the expanded podcast, which I talk about all the time on here. And I, so I revisited some of these episodes and I had forgotten like this entire part of the host's story uh, that before she founded her big company and started this podcast that she's is now like wildly successful that she had been really poor (laughs) and she had been working as a personal chef for a couple of families in LA and over one Christmas break I believe 
like all of her funds had dried up because um, either the families went out of town or they just didn't need her services. And the fact that she needed to find another way to make money is kind of what prompted her to start her own business. So I, I heard that story again. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. That's kind of the situation I find myself in now. Not that I'm a personal chef, but I do work in food. And I am kind of trying to branch out into what we do here mm-hmm. and make this more of a important part of my life. Well, it's funny. You told me you like totally forgot that was yeah. <laughs> even part of her story. Yeah. And then you're listening back and you're like, huh. And then you kind of told me you're like, well, maybe we should just do kind of like a, mm-hmm. I hate to say like a recap episode. Yeah. But just more information about us right. um, or maybe reiterate some things just to just to contextualize mm-hmm. things. I think it's always good to share, to know more about where people come from. So there's definitely, because you and I grew up in such different circumstances, it's it's nice to have different areas that people can identify with us on, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So Sarah's more of the, you're, you're better at like <laughs> guiding the conversation and like getting... I don't yeah. know, like getting topics out I of us. I am the and shepherd of the conversation. You really are in a way. <laughs> and I'm I'm like the responder mm. in a lot of the ways. So you're going to ask me questions today. Right. And then I'm going to follow your lead. And next week, I'm going to do the same thing for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but another thing we want to start doing before we get into the topic is we want to do our positivity box. Ah, yes. Up front. I had forgotten. Because, you know... If if you're not a long time listener, our positivity box is basically just, we just, <laughs> where did the box come from? So it actually came from the negativity, negativity box, box, which is what, back when we were living in Colorado, when we were a newer couple, we instituted this thing called the negativity box. I don't even know if I like accidentally stole this from someone else or if it's something I just created, but basically rather than like one of us having a bad day at work or with whatever and coming home and just like unloading all of that negative energy and all the complaining on the other person we would make a conscious effort to say hey I'm just gonna like create a little little negativity box here I'm going to get it off my chest and then we're gonna leave it here you know what I mean yeah it's like just a figurative box to like write a little note (laughs) put in the box and then you can close it and put it away Mm -hmm. right um so we've also instituted the positivity box where we do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And it d- nev- doesn't necessarily have to relate to the topic of the podcast. It could be small or large, like as inconsequential or like big a thing as... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I have a feeling this week's is going to be the same for both of us. Is it? I, I feel like <laughs> it's hit or miss. Sometimes we do have the same thing. Sometimes we don't. Okay. But I'm going to go first. Um, I mean... We just, this is like a brand new thing, but yesterday we went on an hour long, it was like an hour and 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. We just went on a walk around the park. It's the park that we go and run at, um, jog at, but we were like, we don't, we don't want to run. We've been doing a lot of yoga. We're like, what if we just did like an active, Mm -hmm. an active rest day? Right. So we just did a 3.2 mile walk Mm -hmm. and it was great. It was great. We had a long conversation. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was just really like mind clearing and I think and it, nice. it was nice. It's something we haven't done. We've been exercising separately since we moved to San Diego. We're based in San Diego. 
it back in October. So we'll go to the same park and we'll start at the same at the parking lot together. But Eric will run and I'll walk and we'll both meet up at the end. Um, but we had been, you know, throughout most of the quarantine doing a lot of exercise together. We would do our 5K jogs together. We went through a big hiking phase. And I feel like, I don't know, and then around like the beginning of quarantine too, we were doing our 10,000 steps a day thing. Yeah. So we were taking like three mile walks like almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was nice to get back to that because I feel like when you create the time to just go out and walk and spend time in nature, if you could call it nature, there were a lot of people there uh, and a lot of cars, but I don't know. It just creates space for good conversations. And I'm such a, like a faster moving person. Like I, I've always been, the, I've always identified as someone who doesn't like walking mm-hmm. because I'm like, why walk when you can get there faster <laughs> by running? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It's kind of just made me think about like, well, you don't always have to be using so much energy, mm-hmm. like physical energy. Yeah. And it's just, it's been nice to clear our heads just walking. We did it again today. Mm-hmm. Was that yours to also? It wasn't go. It wasn't going to okay, be. Good. But it was nice. We saw some horses. There's a little horse oh, yeah. like corral there, and there's not always horses when we visit. But there happened to be like four, four or five, mm-hmm. four I think, just trotting around. So we paused our walk and watched them for a while. Well, what I've noticed when I run by that section of the park is that when there are horses, I never see anyone like stopped and yeah. um, observe observing them. Mm-hmm. And then no one was stopped when we stopped. And I was like, do you want us? And Sarah was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so we just like walked over there and like stood and watched the horses. I don't know anything about horses or training them, but their trainer was like, he was like swinging something mm-hmm. in his hand and the horses would just like get really excited and they'd like kind of gallop and then they'd like sprint around this little, um, this little gated thing. Mm-hmm. And we were just like oh, watching them. And then I noticed people started stopping and watching also. Yeah. And I'm like, are they stopping? Because... We Someone stopped? else has stopped, yeah. yeah. So, right. yeah, that's that's a good positivity box. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. And it's sunny here in California, <laughs> even though it's January. It was hot January. today. Yeah. yeah, which is, um, it's still, I'm still getting used to that. It's right. very odd. Yeah. Do you want to go into today's topic? Sure. Okay. All right, we're taking it all the way back. I, I don't I necessarily don't know want this to be a super long episode. Yeah. I want it to be kind of like a... Just a little intro into the life and times and mind of Eric. You know, I thought you were going to say life and death of Eric, <laughs> and I was like, uh, no. I don't have any intel on that yet. I feel like you're such a spiritual person person that you I know might, when you're going to die. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you if I did. Thanks. So let's, let's just tell us a little bit about, you know, where you were born. Where'd you grow up? I was born in Mineola, New York, Mm -mm. which is on Long Island. Um, Did I sound like a Long Islander when I said that? (laughs) I felt like I did. Uh, And I grew up on Long Island. And uh, yeah, I'm a New Yorker through and through. Okay. So tell us about your family growing up. I grew up with my dad and my mom and my sister. And then when I was like six years old, my parents got divorced. My mom moved out. Many years, or a few years later, my step family moved in. So my stepmother and my three stepsisters. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being a very big blended family, which caused a lot of strife and was very difficult for all of us. 
Um, so, yeah. All right. So just just to um, recap, he has four sisters. Four. Yeah. I have so many female energy. I have so many that sometimes I forget how many I have. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, my five sisters, my four (laughs) Sarah's like you have, you have four sisters. Yeah. It's funny. Like clearly if you're listening or watching, we've never done an episode like this. Yeah. And Sarah's like, okay, I'm going to ask you something. And I'm like, "Uh, okay, I'm I'm, going to answer now. Right. Yeah, it's also funny because I just, I know all these things and I'm trying to remember what are things that people would like to know mm-hmm. that uh, they might not already. Do I read like a person who has four sisters? A man who has four sisters? I think you do. Okay. I think it's, it's you're very sensitive. and What do you mean? <laughs> like you're good at, I don't know, you're good with people in general, which I guess doesn't necessarily have to be a sister thing, but I, you know. You now find yourself living with me and my mom and sister, yeah. so you just can't escape the uh, the women in your life. <laughs> the the dog is is also a female. Yeah, which is funny. Oh, did you have any pets growing up? I had. We had a cat named Jarvis, mm-hmm. <laughs> which my parents had had since um, like the eighties. And then when my step family moved in. They moved in with a German Shepherd Collie named Buddy. I was really scared of dogs, and you bu- were? and Buddy was very big. I didn't know that. Yeah, can I rearrange this? Does that bother you? Well, at some point, I feel like it's going to end up in my lap because I'm like leaning you forward should, should to stay that. close to the microphone. Do it. All right. Yeah, that looks fine. Here we are. I, I, I don't want like the fact that we're videoing it to take away from our right like our personalities with it. Okay. So be comfy. I'll also, just up. making such extreme eye contact with you is a little different too. Because usually we're like across the room. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, when you're not being filmed, it's easy. It's like fine to talk and like look around. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be judged for not making eye contact. We're right here. I'm right here. I do love you, and it's okay that we're making eye contact. So more about Buddy. Okay. Buddy. Uh, great dog. Very sweet. Mm-hmm. I think he's definitely the reason I like dogs now. Yeah. Because I learned that when they're big and scary, they can still be really nice, and they're not necessarily actually scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a sweetheart, and we had a lot of good times together. And uh, really changed my opinion on the old the old pupperinos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know you were afraid of dogs. I was also afraid of dogs for a long time because my grandmother's tiny dog Brownie once gummed me. Gummed you? Like he bit me, but not powerfully, and it scarred me. Plus, like my grandparents had these guard dogs. They had Rottweilers in the backyard, mm. and um, they were outside dogs, you know, which you can have in California apparently. And I was never allowed to go outside. Because, like, when I was visiting them, because those dogs were out there. Wait, so Lolo and Lola had big dogs in the backyard, Mm -hmm. but they had a tiny dog that bit you inside? So, they had Brownie inside, who was, like, Lola's lap dog, I guess. Mm. I don't really remember Brownie at all. I couldn't tell you what kind of dog he was. She? She? (laughs) Question mark. Um, I was very, very young when Brownie was still in the picture, Mm. but, yeah. I think they might not have overlapped either. I think they had Brownie and then Brownie died, <laughs> ceased to be in the picture. <laughs> it's a long story. Um, I wasn't involved. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you were a And child. then they got the guard dogs. Hmm. And uh, yeah. That's very strange, the outside dog thing. Yeah. So I thought all dogs were evil for a long time and I was scared of them. And now I love them. I don't know why. I w- I'm glad we both got over this mm-hmm. because it's... Um, <laughs> there's. 
we should everyone should like dogs dogs are good yeah okay let's let's continue <laughs> on maybe i'll actually say something uh, important all right so tell us a little bit about yourself as a small child like early interests tell us about your personality any mm. like were there role models you had you know yeah i always i've been a musician like through and through for my entire life there was never a point i can remember where I mean, I I was a big football fan as a child, but I don't I don't never I, had any aspirations to be an athlete. No, I I think because the music thing really did come first, mm-hmm. and by the time I like really started getting into sports, I was like, well, I'm a music person. Okay. Um, but my parents were very into rock music, like into like the '90s grunge and pop punk, like. They listened to Foo Fighters and Alice in Chains and Green Day, so like, which we'll get into next week. And if you're and if you're a listener, you're probably already thinking like, oh yeah, Sarah wasn't allowed to listen to any of that, right? Mm-hmm. Which is true. Um, but yeah, I had the exact opposite experience where like, the first album I ever had was Blink One Eighty Two's Enema of the State, mm-hmm. which I couldn't tell you what an enema was when I was when that album came out, <laughs> and I was six right. or five. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had the album, so I was just always super into music. I idolized Green Day, and I started playing drums when I was six. And Who, how did that come about? Was it like you asked your parents to start playing drums, or they were like, "Oh, we want to get you an, into an instrument. What would you choose?" Well, I remember you started. You picked an instrument at my school in fourth grade, like if you wanted to be an orchestra or band, mm-hmm. and. I remember by that point I had already been playing drums. So I definitely just asked them. I asked my dad, I was like, hey, can I play drums? He was like, well, I'm not going to buy you a drum set because you're six and you've never played drums and children pick things up and then stop caring about them. Mm -hmm. So he got me like a little, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but he bought me a little rubber pad and I learned how to play and I like took some lessons and then he was like, okay, you love this. And he bought me a used drum set. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yeah. Wait, so your the drum set that you sold before we moved was a used drum set to begin with? I think so. Or was so. there another one? No, I think maybe it wasn't used. Maybe it was new. Mm. I'm not sure. I was six. I didn't know that you could buy <laughs> used things or new things. I didn't know how okay. much things cost. All right. But yeah, the drum set that I had into adulthood that I sold was my... The same one. It was the same child drum set. All right. Yeah. Okay, so just music. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that... So you've you've mentioned that you were a camp counselor, like a music camp, and it was really hard to get boys to pay attention Mm -hmm. because they just wanted to play sports. Yeah. Did you feel any pressure against being like artistically inclined as a kid? You know, that's a good question. And I really, really didn't. Mm -hmm. And I want, I would like to press our listeners, if you're also an artistic person and a boy, I know our listenership is primarily not male. But if you're a, a boy who played music, I wonder if you had the same experience because I, I really didn't feel that pressure to like be athletic or whatever. Like my best friend was like the best. He was that kid that was like the cool, like Dylan's the fastest kid. He mm-hmm. was my best friend mm-hmm. and I was like the music kid. But no, I never really felt that. And I wonder if my experience as a camp counselor, which was only like five years ago, mm-hmm. like if that's just a product of... I wonder if sports are like even more popular among kids now since they all have phones and can watch like LeBron um, highlights. Right. I don't know. I'm, I I feel like 
maybe kids were more into music mm-hmm. back when we were kids. I don't maybe. know though. I can't. I can't. I don't have any scientific proof. But no, yeah. I, I never felt that like. Oh, why don't you? Why don't you do sports, loser? Okay. I never got that. Okay. Yeah. So fourth grade, you get to choose an instrument. You're already taking. You're already learning drums. I'm spinning my drumsticks, and I'm right. like, I can play snare drum. So from fourth grade, are you? involved in music like formally in school until Mm -hmm. you graduate high school or i (laughs) i quit band in eighth grade because all i wanted to do was play drum set and not like read music and play with the orchestra and everything Mm -hmm. i was far too punk for so eighth grade and then did you join your own band i think i was in in middle school i was playing in bands with my friends but you know, I I feel like that was the first, one of the first aspects of, like, my anti-authority. Like, I don't want to be in band. I don't want to play that kind of music. I want to play what I want to play, mm-hmm. which has persisted really into my entire life. Okay. Right? And, man, I think that was, like, the first instance of that. Well, did you <laughs> did you explain it to other people like that? Like, in a angsty way? Or were you just like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore? Yeah, I don't remember. But I think I did everything back then with a lot of angst. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I, I'm trying not to just recount all these things you're asking, like, factually. <laughs> I'm trying to relate them to, like, who I am now and mm-hmm. how it's shaped the person I am now. Because that, after all, is what our podcast is really about. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to just, like, spit facts um that's facts (laughs) we've been having we've had this inside joke with like slang terms so we keep using that's facts and no cap usually incorrectly on purpose to be funny but yeah no cap um were you so i really want to dig into this anti-establishment kind of vibe you had going on and still kind of have going on were you did you like get disciplined a lot in in school? Were you antagonizing teachers? You know, there's like um there's just that kid who's like not necessarily the bully, but who's like gives the teachers a hard time. Well, I was I was always that. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, but you're going to I think you're going to love this. I was always that kid that like would give teachers a hard time but in an endearing way yeah but they always liked me (laughs) which is like very much like the schmoozy kind of person you always tell me i am yeah right Mm -hmm. okay so i would always just like mess with my teachers but never in like a never in like a real mean way Mm -hmm. like i i don't know maybe my teachers would disagree and be like no you were an asshole could we get one of them on the air honestly (laughs) yes i'm still in contact with a lot of my teacher not from middle school but from high school well that says a lot i think because i'm not yeah because i i was gonna say i hate everyone but i i don't actually hate any of my teachers i just wasn't close with any of them yeah really yeah but yeah i was definitely i was definitely i mean you know they're they're like the class clowns i was gonna just ask are you the class clown i don't think i was okay because i think the class clown bothered the teachers okay but i i always i was always able to like make the kids laugh and also have the teachers like okay be in on the 
you know, I wasn't like blowing up class. Mm-hmm. I would just like mess with my teachers mm-hmm. a little bit. So academically, oh how were things? Like, did you, were you ever, I mean, you always wanted to be a rock star. I know. Did that mean that you just kind of, you didn't identify that much with how you did like schoolwork wise? Yeah, in a way. Were there any subjects that you felt like a specific affinity to? Any teachers who like you bonded with a lot? Yeah. Well, I never, I never like hated school. Mm-hmm. I always kind of thought it wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because on one hand, I thought it was, I thought it wasn't that important because like think about how many famous musicians, successful musicians are high school dropouts. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I didn't want to fail out of high school like i could never not try Mm -hmm. i could definitely try a little less than someone like you (laughs) right who was at the top of their class but i i don't know i i I have that it's it's like when i was working in the warehouse Mm -hmm. with which if you are a listener you know was this job i had for years and didn't love but it was the same thing like even though i didn't really care about it i still couldn't I still did a good job naturally because I'm just that kind of person, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was that where like my grades were like high 80s throughout high school. Okay. Like 88, 89. Okay. Never an A plus student. But yeah, I, I couldn't not really but you didn't care, care about it. Yeah, but I didn't really care. And it, But it wasn't a cause for, you know, disagreement with like your family or anything. Like, oh, try harder or anything. No, my dad wasn't really like that. You know, I want to talk to him about that. Okay. Be like, how did you feel about Lauren and I in school? I think college was a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll have to ask because I don't, I never felt that academic pressure. I'm sure if I was failing, I would have. Okay. But yeah. Uh, teachers, you asked? Sure. <laughs> if you have any that come to mind. Throughout high school, there definitely, there definitely were teachers. Um, F- Frank the Fingers Doyle. What? M- when I- <laughs> Uh, excuse me <laughs> i definitely mentioned him on one of the one of the recent episodes but he was my music he was one of the music teachers at uh, at our high school i don't know if you said you, you went by frank the fingers <laughs> i think it might be i think it was maybe frankie fingers frankie fingers doyle uh speaking of frankies notable frankies uh we adopted two plants this week and one of them if you're watching the if you're watching on youtube you can see Frankie this, the cactus. This is Frankie the cactus. Um, we named him. I named him Frankie because after uh, Frankie Fingers Doyle. No, <laughs> after the day we got Frankie the cactus, I almost just impaled myself on him. Uh, the day we got Frankie the cactus was the day the Mets traded for Francisco Lindor, who's a superstar shortstop, and I'm very excited to have on the team. So I named him Frankie. I'm just gonna leave him here. It's okay. He's <laughs> sure. very cute and dangerous. Cute and dangerous, just like you. It's a cute threat nice yeah um oh my god maybe our cute threat logo should be a cactus okay that's pretty cute yeah it's cute write that down (laughs) that's not where the camera is write that down um okay so mr doyle was my high school music teacher he Mm -hmm. got the nickname he told us his nickname was frankie fingers when he played uh on tour with meatloaf the very famous artist meatloaf um yeah so i obviously looked up to him and i got there was one teacher mr slagle who i got close with um and i got close with them for various reasons which we'll we'll get to we'll get to so actually here's something i want to know about because you 
your dad was really involved in community theater, right? And at one point when he was younger was trying to kind of make it in theater in New York City, yes? Mm -hmm. Did you feel any calling towards that? That's a really good question, and I never did. Was that available, like, as a extracurricular or anything? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up in a very affluent town, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, we, we were the school that had, we had AP and IB, and we had, like, every program was well-funded, mm-hmm. and it was, like, very easy to succeed there okay. in, like, basically whatever you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we had a good theater thing. The, the, say it theater theater i i just always poke fun at eric because he pronounces theater 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 that's just how i always say it i don't know why maybe it's yeah. a new york thing um but yeah no i, I never felt pressured to do that okay. um which was good i think my dad was just happy because i liked music in general all right you know okay um i'm sweating i'm, I'm sweating like, from this conversation i have a lot of things i want to cover but i don't really know how to get into this one but i kind of wanted to ask about like your relationship with your siblings and how they influenced you okay 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 well i was i feel like lauren and i lauren's my one biological sister i feel like lauren and i used to we fought a lot mm-hmm. as kids you have to remind me not to drink sparkling water <laughs> when we do the podcast because it makes me burp and i <laughs> get interrupted um but yeah lauren and i I feel like we fought a lot when we were younger, but then when our step family moved in mm-hmm. and we started, there was, um, you know, there was like that intense clashing of the, f- of the families. Lauren and I bonded over that, which sounds bad, right? No. We but were, we were bonding you, over yeah. not getting along with the, the new family in our mm-hmm. life. Um, but yeah. And then just as we all grew up, we started loving each other mm-hmm. eventually but i don't know i don't know how to answer that like how they influenced me i mean i didn't have that's why i had trouble kind of formulating the question i yeah. just kind of wanted to know because you know when you're young if you're of similar ages you're spending so much time with your siblings mm-hmm. and yeah i just yeah. wanted to know if anything jumped out of you but if nothing does then that's fine well i'm i'm the youngest me and Allison are in the same grade. Mm-hmm. So our eldest sisters, Mallory and Jessica, went off to college at the same time. And I feel like we never like lived with them mm-hmm. that much. I, My memory from like growing up and stuff is in some spots like so bad. Mm-hmm. But they were not there a lot. And I think, I think Lauren just kind of, when you have an older sibling like that, and she was also... I feel like we're very similar in, in the way like we we were good like we were good kids we were fine but we weren't like um like you <laughs> i wasn't okay well in high school next up ep- next episode we'll see okay but am, am i wrong in saying in high school you were very like clean goody two-shoes sure okay sure. maybe not in college Sh- sure okay well we'll get there yeah. Okay. Um, I just don't like to use the word like bad or good because I mm-hmm. had my own set of like challenges, right? Right. And you guys seem like socially well adjusted, which is a huge, mm-hmm. like people take it for granted, you know? Yeah. Okay. So you're right. I'll, and I'll clarify. Mm-hmm. I mean, neither of us were like scoundrels, <laughs> but we also weren't like perfect kids. 
Okay. Um, so Lauren would go to parties and drink alcohol and smoke pot. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> but she was never that irresponsible. Right. And it weirdly was a good role. She was weirdly a good role model for me in that way. Mm-hmm. Because then when I started doing that, I was also very responsible with it. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a big part of that was my dad being like, Oh, man, my family (laughs) listens to the podcast a lot more these days because I keep razzing them to do it. (laughs) So now I really have to be careful about what I say because I know they're listening, (laughs) all of them, all like 13 members of my family. Um, But I I, I just remember there was one fight where Lauren like wanted to drink wine with her friend in the house. And my dad was like, it's fine. Like, just you're not going anywhere, Mm -hmm. but you can drink a bottle of whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just you guys. It's fine. And Claudia, my stepmom, was like, uh, absolutely not. And I I understand both sides, obviously, because Claudia legally is right to say, Mm -hmm. like, no. (laughs) And my dad's like, well, you know, but, like, socially, like, it's okay. And there was, like, that, there was that parenting thing kind of always happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that really molded, maybe not Mallory and Jessica, because they were kind of, they flew the coop before the rest of us. Mm -hmm. But I think that really helped balance all of us out in, um... So yes, yes, they influenced me positively. Okay. I'm trying not to like, <laughs> I'm trying to make sense. Right. Yeah. You know? Okay. Okay. Um, Where should we go from here? I wonder if people are listening like, they're weird today. Do I, do we you seem feel, weird I think today? You feel, I think you read as nervous to me. Okay. Like you're getting grilled and you're afraid to say something wrong. I'm not trying it's, to guide you to say anything like mean or super revealing either. But I just, I think like the topic of blended families too is a good one to talk about because it's a lot of people go through that experience but don't necessarily get to process it fully you know yeah and i i don't feel nervous because i'm afraid of saying something wrong Mm -hmm. i'm afraid of saying things that aren't important Mm. you know like I like I I want it to be like my background story, my origin story. <laughs> Your autobiography. Yeah, but I don't want it to be like I still want it to relate to the podcast, which I feel like everything it does. does. I know. I just mm-hmm. I get uh, concerned that you yeah. know. I think sometimes just because we're living as ourselves, we forget how different our experience can be from other people's right like i grew up with both parents together Mm. my mom was a stay-at-home mom i had my sister we were like extremely close and and close in age too and i don't know i i think it's interesting to put both of our stories out there because different people will relate to different things like i'm sure Mm -hmm. there are listeners who also their parents got divorced and they had trouble adjusting to like a new family yeah so yeah, the blended family thing is really a fascinating conversation. Mm-hmm. This is just a this is just a weird thing I'm going to throw out there. But when we were when I was in high school, the New York Times wrote they're writing an article about blended families, and I can only assume they got in touch with us because Claudia is a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they came to our house with like a little film crew and like <laughs> filmed all of us like doing our own thing, but also interacting. It has to still be online somewhere. I swear to God, I saved the link the last time this came up. Okay. But I'll try to find it. Put it in the show notes. I'll put it in the show notes. and <laughs> On I'll, blast. Oh, my God. It's just like chubby little teenage Eric. And they're like, oh, so like, what do you do, Eric? And I'm like, I play drums. And they're like, oh, let's go downstairs. Like, we'll get a video of you playing drums. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, slicked my hair back. Like, played as <laughs> fast and awesome as I could. And it was like right. really bad. But mm-hmm. that video lives somewhere. 
and uh, I'll try to find it. Okay. Yeah. What would you say are some of the top like positive ways in which going through that blending of families influenced you? Oof. I mean, like I said, I think a big part of it was how differently my dad and my stepmom parented. Mm -hmm. Like their family was much more strict and my family was always much more laid back. And I can't even begin to imagine like the kinds of conflict it caused my dad and Claudia Mm -hmm. because I mean, like now that we're an adult, like we're in an adult couple, like we have our own issues and I can't imagine that being one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, don't parent my child like that or just like <laughs> just things like that. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even right. imagine how hard that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I I think they did a good job in balancing their parenting styles. And we all ended up we all came out pretty, pretty fine, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but I mean, it just it just it's traumatic. Yeah. It's just like truly traumatic for everyone. Mm-hmm. And there's no way around it because our parents want to love each other. and be in a relationship and the only way they could do that is to smush the children into one house Mm -hmm. right and then for my three stepsisters it's weird because all of a sudden they're just moving Mm -hmm. like granted they're moving into a comfortable situation right like they moved in and there was a pool which which (laughs) must have been sweet for them and you're like that's my pool (laughs) but like really it's like me and lauren were like "Ooh, get out of our house yeah and Mm -hmm. that feeling persisted for far longer than anyone would like to admit Mm -hmm. um it's just crazy it's just such a unique i mean i don't know how unique it is please listeners if (laughs) if you're part of a blended family like this Mm -hmm. please what is life dude show at gmail.com send us an email and tell me about your experience because i would me and my family i know we would all love to know about it Mm -hmm. um and what similarities there were and what differences you had Yeah. And actually, I think it would be cool if we could start implementing like a little section of the podcast where we read like a story from a listener or something. Oh, yeah. Not that we have to like give advice or like offer a bunch of commentary on it. But if anyone just has like an interesting little, you know, like a little vignette to share. Yeah. We could definitely start reading those. That's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, Random question. Do you think can is I don't know if it's even possible for you to think about this, but do you think being like the youngest and being the only boy, like how it would have been different if maybe you had a brother all of a sudden or, you know, younger siblings? I have no idea what it would be like to have a brother. <laughs> yeah. Like I cannot even imagine what it would like to not be the only boy. Mm-hmm. Um, what a fascinating question. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how having another boy around would have would have changed me, mm-hmm. but I definitely, there definitely is something to said about something to be said about growing up surrounded by on, only women, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, I just I feel like as like a younger child, I'd be like, oh blah blah blah, your periods are gonna sync up, and my friends are like, what? And I'm like, that's a that's a thing that when a bunch of women are, that's what happens. And they're like, yeah. what are you talking about? And I'm like, you're like, I know everything. I'm like, I, I, there are always, there are a lot of women in my house talking about their menstrual cycles. Like mm-hmm. I know what PMS is before anyone else does. Mm-hmm. Just like little weird things like that. But I think it definitely did make me, you know, I'm, I'm a sensitive guy. <laughs> and I, I know brothers like, well, 
I, I know Lauren and I beat the shit out of each other, but I know brothers like really do that mm. generally. So I, I would just assume I'd be maybe not now, but definitely when I was younger, maybe I'd be more, I don't want to say aggressive, mm-hmm. but definitely not as soft. Yeah. Well, I just think about you being your Leo self and being the only boy and the little prince of the family. And it reminds me of when your grandmother was talking about how your mm-hmm. father, who is the youngest and the the boy of the family, is her, what she called him, like the king, the king. or something. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're following in his foot, in his royal footsteps. <laughs> I mean, if we have kids, you know we're going to have, if we have more than one kid, the youngest one's going to be the only boy. <laughs> it just seems to be the way it goes with my bloodline all right so, so be prepared if for that. we have a boy first then we know that we, we're done we to stop <laughs> if we only or want... adopt older children yes that would exactly. be weird <laughs> that's a whole nother set of complications <laughs> okay well do what? you do you want to take do you want to take a quick pause and do our supporter shout out Hi, guys. We're pausing this conversation for a few moments to give a big thank you to our supporters. These are our listeners who make a monthly contribution through Anchor, which is our hosting platform. If you'd like to become a supporter as well, you can visit anchor.fm slash whatislifedude and click on the support button. And if you enjoy the show, another great way to support us is by giving us a positive rating and a review on iTunes. Just takes a few moments and it helps new listeners find the podcast so we can continue to grow our community. So thank you so much to everyone who supports us in one way or another. This podcast wouldn't exist without you guys. So without further ado, shout out to our anchor supporters, Marie Zimmerman, Alexis May Dooley, Karen B.W., Inga Pfeiffer, Kevin P. Dooley, Izzy, Sarah Creighton, Dylan Schaubin, Nina Schmidt, Anna Draka, Morgan Lassiter, Megan Stewart, Teresa Madara, Glenn Ames, Jessica Chelgren, Jennifer, Quinn, and Samantha McIntyre. And now back to the show. Okay, so it's we're, we've been focusing on early like childhood and early life so much, and I'm like, where do we go now? Mm-hmm. I don't want to belabor the whole like school thing, but oh, yeah. you did oh, important things happened. <laughs> Before you got to college. <laughs> These are topics that we've discussed many times on the podcast and, and you and personally. I. So sometimes I just kind of glaze past them. But mm-hmm. um, okay, so tell us about some formative life experiences that you had. Hmm, let's see if I can think of one. So we already covered, you know, splitting, your mom and dad splitting, blended family, other things happened. However, <laughs> dramatic Re- music. Really unfortunate time for another <laughs> another burp off mic. Um, okay, when I was 10, I had a pacemaker put in, mm-hmm. which is uh, a heart implant device that old people tend <laughs> to get when their hearts start um, not working as well. So they, I, I'll just, I'll give the brief rundown of the story. Mm-hmm. But basically, I guess it was a few years after my parents had split up. And I swear I'm going to impale myself on Frankie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't gesticulate as widely. I really, I do this thing. <laughs> um, okay, so my parents had split up a few years prior to this happening, but we were on a trip to San Diego, actually, where my grandparents lived at the time. And I was having a lot of anxiety and I was getting heart palpitations. And my dad came back to the apartment. I think he was like he was doing something and we were staying with grandma and grandpa mm-hmm. and he came back and we were maybe like maybe he was at sea world i think he 
I'm like, what else is there in San Diego? Lots what of things. What was he doing? <laughs> well, honestly, he was probably spending time with Claudia because oh, I yeah. think we all went to get... I don't know. I don't know. My dad wasn't there. It was just me and the grandparents. Mm-hmm. And my heart kept palpitating and I was feeling really anxious. Mm-hmm. So we got back to New York. They booked uh, an appointment with the cardiologist. And then before the appointment, it it just stopped. I stopped getting these palpitations. Mm-hmm. And my dad called my grandma. My grandma was like, you should still take him to the doctor just in case. (laughs) Is that pretty accurate? Sure. A little bit? Sure. Okay. I can't do the Brooklyn Jew accent as (laughs) well as my grandma can. Um, But yeah, so they took me to the cardiologist and they threw a heart monitor on me for 24 hours. And they got the results back and they called my dad and they were like, can you come in now? And they basically found that my heart was kind of skipping beats, like borderline stopping when I was asleep, which really didn't have anything to do with the anxiety palpitations I was having. They just happened to line up weird coincidence and they caught it and they put a pacemaker in. Now my heart beats and I'm still here. So it's a lot for a little (laughs) 10-year-old to go through because 10-year-olds usually don't have heart surgery. Mm -hmm. So that was formative. All right, so what, what, you're like third grade and when you're 10 or so? Fifth, fifth grade. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. But if you want to know more about that, we did an episode. It's called Everything That's Wrong With Eric. <laughs> Parts one through 100. Part A, body. <laughs> Part B, for brain. Uh, <laughs> no, I think, I think it was, it's called like being thankful for the things we've gone through because mm-hmm. In March of 2020, right before like, the pandemic blew up and did its pandemic-y thing, I got my pacemaker battery replaced mm-hmm. like the day before they started closing things, etc. Um, and then we did an episode about me getting it replaced and I go deeper into the story. And, yeah. and I go deeper into the story I'm about to tell, which is that when I was 17, I was diagnosed with cancer. And... <laughs> It just nervous sounds, laughter. <laughs> the nervous laughter is so real. It's just uh it's a thing that comes out and it sounds so serious mm-hmm. that I just like blurt it out and then I don't know what to do after I have said the word cancer. Right. Well, how do I fix that? This is something we've fine. talked about. It's fine because I think it might be kind of like subconsciously you trying to diffuse like the tension, right? Cuz like it, you're I feel like humans Our instinct when someone says something heavy like that is to get like really somber and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm trying to say it's probably like you like trying to kind of like make people feel not uncomfortable about it. But this is a conversation you and I have had where it's like, it's like, how can we, how can we make me having cancer so many years ago be less of like, um, like a shadow, like a Mm. cloud on our, not, not on our relationship as a whole, but Mm -hmm. just, like when it comes up, it's just it's just a big heavy thing, and I I want to make it more like accessible mm-hmm. in a way and like easier to deal with. Yeah, you know. But we'll get there. But when I was seventeen, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. There was a thing in my neck, and it grew, and they caught it, and I did chemo and radiation. And again, there's more of that story in that episode I referenced. But it was um, harrowing harrowing (laughs) it was formative definitely Mm -hmm. yeah so those things are just part of my life i won't get into them now because there's an episode about them but those things happened and we can move on okay (laughs) right sure if you want to 
Where do we go from there? College. Okay. What do you want to know about college? It was so boring. <sighs> um, well, why was it boring? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think most of my college experience was <laughs> I hate to say it was ruined because I was in a relationship, but I think a lot of it was not as interesting, mm-hmm. fun, explorative as it could have been because mm-hmm. I was in like a long distance. One of those high school relationships that everyone's like, you should break up before college. And I'm like, but we're in love. Mm-hmm. And then we go to college, we do long distance, and then we break up. Mm-hmm. And you just don't, you don't do stuff when you're in a long distance relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, all my friends are like going to this thing for freshmen where like you meet new friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll stay at home because I'm going to FaceTime with my girlfriend. Okay. And I'm just like, it's one of those things where like, you try not to have regrets about things, but you're just like, stupid, stupid. <laughs> just Do you actually regret it? I just like, I feel like... What do you, what are you telling yourself you would have now if you hadn't been in a relationship? You know, that's a really good point <laughs> because there isn't anything, you know, it's just like thinking about like, oh, I could have like hung out with my friends more or made new friends mm-hmm. when I was in college and like just did more stuff. I just like was in my room a lot. Okay. Um, but I guess when you perspectivize it like <laughs> <laughs> when you perspectivize it like that. TM. T- <laughs> I was like, what? Perspectivize is a word I made up. Um, yeah, it really, it really does remind me like, well, everything's fine now. So it's, it's okay that you had that experience. Mm-hmm. I don't need to regret that. Yeah. I do like to look at like the feeling of regret and examine where it comes from because it usually is because we're telling ourselves that we would have something else mm-hmm. preferable. And I, you know what they like how they say some people will say like I have a, a big fear of the unknown, but it's actually what you think you know about the unknown that you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. And I think the same goes with regret. You're like, oh, I don't know what could have happened, but it could have been great. But there's probably, there usually is some specific thing that you think might have turned out differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the same way about different relationships too. Yeah. Or about, I think a lot about like, what if I could go back and do college if the way that I am now instead of who I was before, which was so socially anxious and very mentally ill, still mentally ill, not that mentally ill. You know what I mean? And I'd be like, oh, I'd be an amazing artist and I'd be so much more like, I don't know. I'd have all these different things and mm-hmm. wouldn't have wasted a bunch of time in a different relationship because I'd be me instead of who I was then. Yeah. So it's just interesting to look at that. Well, it it really is such a good thought experiment because like what I have now, it's like we're both still so young mm. and I'm like, sure, life isn't, it's not exactly perfect, right? But what I do have now, like I have our relationship and I have, we have like, we're headed into what I feel like is such a great place. You and I like personally. And then like our, I'll, I'll, I'll quantify, qualify these Mm -hmm. things as business things, podcast, music, whatever, like all these things I think are heading to such a good place. And I'm like, there's no reason to regret any of that. Cause who knows what it would have been like. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're if you're a listener of the podcast, you know that Sarah and I have had these conversations about making music together where we're like, well, do we do we want to be like 
like famous musicians. Like I wanted to be a famous musician when I was younger. And like now as we get more and more integrated with social media and just being judged by people online constantly, mm-hmm. it's like, do we, do we want that fame or is that just going to be so much worse than mm-hmm. uh, than we originally thought when it was going to be awesome. Right. And we just watched, we rewatched actually <clears throat> the documentary Amy, Amy mm-hmm. about Amy Winehouse. And it was so tragic. And we just watched how she unraveled as soon as public eye was on her. Yeah. Um, not that there wasn't, there weren't issues before that, but you know. So the, like the main regret I have with college is that it, during sophomore year, I applied to Berkeley college of music in Boston which I, that's really where I wanted to go out of high school. But then I got sick and I couldn't do the auditions. And because I was sick, it was just easier to like apply to a normal school where Mm -hmm. you can just apply online and not have to like travel to Boston or New York City and do an audition. But then in college, I was like, I still want to be like a Berkeley student, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's where John Mayer went. That's where like the guys from Dream Theater went, like a prog rock band. Dream Theater. Dream. I said that one right. Dream (laughs) Theater. Dream Theater. (laughs) So I always wanted to go there. And then I applied. I went down to New York City. I auditioned. I got in and I didn't transfer because I had a girlfriend in the same state as me. Was it ever a discussion that you had or? I told everyone it wasn't because of her. And I truly thought it wasn't. Okay. I was like, I, I have my band here. We can be successful. Like, I, I mean, I went to Ithaca College in New York. It's still a good school. Like, it's fine. I have a degree in something I love. That's how I know how to do all these things. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's fine. But I was like, no, no, no. I'm good here. And why did you apply? Back, why? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Why would I apply if I was just gonna if I was just gonna bail on it later, right? Mm-hmm. So, but now I'm thinking like, well, I don't. I used to regret not transferring to Berkeley. But now I'm like, well, how would it have shaped my life in a way that might not have been preferable? Mm. What if I ended up like going on the road, you know, like John Mayer? The thing about Berkeley is that everyone everyone drops out because everyone starts like... Well, many people. Yeah, well, everyone, everyone you know about who went to Berkeley. Right. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> everyone who went to Berkeley that is now famous yeah. dropped out and like started touring because they are they just became popular musicians. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what if like that? that's what I wanted, right? But like, what if that happened? And then I realized that I didn't, I didn't like touring. I didn't like being away from mm-hmm. like my, my homestead, you know, homestead. <laughs> my, my base camp. <laughs> and like, I don't know, my brain went haywire and I just, everything went badly. Mm-hmm. And like, what if, so what if that just wasn't supposed to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, what if this is right? So I try not to regret things like that for that reason. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Everything I just said. About the whole fate thing? hmm Oh, I'm into it. Okay. <laughs> As you know. I do. I mean, not that... I don't think that you should... When you're trying to make a decision, I don't think you should necessarily use, like, fear or, like, the worst case scenario as an excuse not to do it. So if in that moment you had been like, oh, what if I go to Berkeley and then I become a famous touring musician and then it drives me to madness and I kill myself? Obviously, that's not the proper, you know... That's you don't want to be motivated by fear usually mm-hmm. if you can help it, but I think it is you know it's always better to be at peace with what you have because we really can't go back, and the most we can do with regret is to allow it to inform our choices moving forward. 
So I think like what you would have learned from that now is if you're honest about the fact that it was influenced by your relationship is now you're in a relationship where if you had an opportunity that would be like kind of disruptive to our lifestyle now, we'd find out how to go through it together, right? And adjust. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're both very open. To, like we're both, we really like comfort. We are a little bit slow to change, I think. Mm-hmm. We do sometimes get bogged down in routines that don't serve us. But I think in general, like bigger picture, we are not risk averse necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think we are willing to change up our lifestyle a lot. Would you say we're willing to risk it for the biscuit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just glanced. I have no biscuits to show for it yet, but <laughs> I hope to have a few biscuits. I just glance at the computer that's monitoring our camera setup and my face is so rosy. Yeah. I'm so hot now from talking about these things. And well, and you're also wearing red and it's reflecting off of your face. It is very toasty in here, I have to say. It was so cold earlier. Yeah. Okay. So where do you want to... Uh, Back to biscuits. Back to... (laughs) Buttery, flaky, delicious. Well, I mean, not that that we're nearing the end of the conversation. Right. But... Where do you want to, what other questions do you have? There's just so many, right? Are there? There's so many. <laughs> like my what? life is, after I tell people I had cancer, my life is boring. That's like. That's that's a terrible way to think about it. You should rework that thought in your mind. Okay. Oh, I was just kidding, first of all. So how do you think you'd be different if you hadn't had cancer? I I have absolutely no idea. Okay. I mean, what I've always said to people was that after I got sick, I became a lot nicer, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because before I was talking about how my sisters made me, made me like a big softy. Mm-hmm. But when I was in high school, I was that guy with my friends who would always, you know, how like guys like punch each other and stuff and like, oh, <laughs> like I was like the arm puncher kid mm-hmm. who always like punched my friends in the arm. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I just stopped like those weird little things and i never thought of as like mean or aggressive i was like what you should be nicer to people because people go through hard times and also sometimes people just like get sick and die and you should be not you should just i don't know it just changes your your brain and your perception of the world and i'm like i just have to be nice to everyone all the time okay which is obviously something that takes much more time than that to enact um and i'm still trying to do it right Mm -hmm. but yeah i feel like that's like that's always the main thing i think of when i think of how i changed Mm -hmm. it's interesting when we first started talking several years ago i kind of assumed that the reason you were vegan was because you had had that Mm -hmm. health scare Mm -hmm. because for me like i had lost my dad to cancer the year prior and that's kind of what kicked me into exploring plant-based lifestyle Mm -hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Do you think do you draw any parallels there, or do you think they're entirely unrelated? It's definitely part of the reason I care about being vegan now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think anyone who changes their lifestyle to a plant based dealio, mm-hmm. like I feel like that's just what happens. I feel like all the reasons that that one would go vegan kind of compound yeah. and like snowball into like. Oh, like, why are you vegan? I feel like most people are like, oh, for all, every reason. Yeah. Ethical, health, this, that, environment, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like you start with one 
and then you learn about all the other ones Mm -hmm. and you end up you end up believing in all of them right Uh, but yeah it it wasn't a reason i went vegan i went vegan because i started i just really considered how cute i thought animals were (laughs) it was literally like as simple as that i'm like they're so cute why i don't want to eat them anymore Mm -hmm. it like sounds like the silliest thing it's like how a child like some children are like i want to be vegetarian yeah they're like the parents are like why like Mm because they're cute like that's literally the same reason (laughs) i went vegan i'm like i don't i don't want to do that right i mean that's a very pure entry point isn't it i Mm -hmm. kind of like that um so i wouldn't eat you (laughs) you're too cute (laughs) um so i i guess um, i'm trying to figure out how to ask this question it's kind of more about the relationship between your experience with sickness and like the way you manage your health now. Mm. So I think it I feel as if a lot of people who do go through illness like that, especially ones that are like sometimes associated with lifestyle choices, like that health scare will kind of um catapult them into a healthier lifestyle, right? Like our friend who had diabetes Mm -hmm. and he changed his lifestyle and reversed his diabetes basically. Um, and is also vegan now. Also just for the record, his type two diabetes, we understand that you can't reverse type one. Right. Just to clarify. (laughs) Right. So, but like it's different with, in your case, because you're, you just got it as a kid. And for all we know, it was just like kind of a freak accident. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you think you put the, do you, did you ever think about it in that way? As in, you know, because like you're very, you're health minded, health oriented, mm-hmm. but, and for me, it's like the the connection is very clear to me that I got really scared when my dad got sick. And sometimes I still think about it, about how that, that same thing could happen to me. So that's definitely a huge motivating factor in me trying to live as healthily as possible. Um, I, I, th- I think I had a, just a problem and like a general misconception of how health worked and like what it what it meant Mm -hmm. so i started getting into jogging like before i got sick but i just i jogged because i wanted to be skinnier Mm -hmm. but and i feel like really not until like very very recently i've started to understand that health is much more than like exercising or eating less like i i don't know i always had this like well skinny people are healthy mm-hmm. kind of thing um as someone who was never a skinny child so I, I i think it really took time to for me to learn that there are much more connections mm-hmm. than what i originally thought like you said you felt that connection immediately with your dad mm-hmm. you're like i want to be healthier in all these ways yeah and i was like yeah i'm gonna be healthy i went for a jog Mm-hmm. Um, now i'm like that's that's not that's not the the entire thing okay yeah okay i just asked that because it is something that i think about a lot i feel like it's not necessarily for the better either it kind of like put the fear of god in me as they say like i i get scared sometimes when i think too much about like w- the world we're living in and the quality of our food and like plastic mm-hmm. and all that so yeah um it's definitely it's definitely something to be conscious of mm -hmm. um but i i mean the more you learn about how bad things are Mm -hmm. 
like <laughs> whether it's how bad certain things you buy or are for the environment or the harder life becomes mm-hmm. right because you start to realize you're like the my options are becoming pretty limited if i keep trying to do this much like positive work for my body the environment whatever right so it's hard mm-hmm. that's why it's hard work yes okay so this is getting really long but i mm-hmm. kind of want to wrap it up and bring it into, into the present since we did focus so much on like earlier my, life my youth your youth um do you i don't know if other people feel this way but i always feel like there's like a particular like feeling stamp that keeps coming up in my life that I'm here on this earth to kind of reverse, like a main challenge that comes mm-hmm. up in different ways that I just can't, you can't run away from. Like you're not leaving this car- incarnation until Without this thing fixing. is sorted. Do you have a sense of what that is? It's funny. Maybe this is part of the answer, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I feel like you know better. <laughs> like, do you have... Be honest. You don't have to say it out loud, but do you have an answer in your head? No. Really? No. I feel like you do. Um, that's that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. I don't. I I don't know. Okay. Can we talk about it so I can try to figure <laughs> it out? Because I, I I want to have a good answer to this before we mm-hmm. close out the podcast. Well, I don't even know if everyone has is in touch with that. I mm-hmm. feel like what I've learned over the past year, especially, is how extremely different everyone's psyches are. Mm-hmm. And I always like I always tell you, I feel like I'm in the middle of a film all the time. Like I feel as if there's just something a little too. Um, I don't even know the word for it. Like something is orchestrating things outside of me. Truman all of show? the time yeah like a little truman showish but not like that diabolical yeah <laughs> um but i don't know if that's the feeling that everyone has i, I mean, mean you know what i'm asking though right <laughs> yeah yeah like we, we we were reading one of sarah's <laughs> astrology books last night and we were looking at my astrology chart and there are a lot of things in my chart that say like i i'm destined to to help other people Mm. right and i'm like the things i create will help people i should be a leader of things that help people and like this is like everywhere in my chart it's like help people help people help people like service to the collective especially right and if you're not into astrology Mm -hmm. i'll answer the question for you no everyone's chart doesn't also say that everyone Um, does help other people in some way obviously we all have our own talents but i think yours is so focused on just like leading a movement of some kind or like basically causes that are larger than you whereas some people can live like a smaller like more self-directed life they might be out on a farm you know Mm -hmm. and their day-to-day doesn't necessarily have all these sweeping implications for other people but yeah yeah but maybe that's part of it is not being so focused on myself and being more for the people mm-hmm. and for other people yeah i mean like we before the podcast we had a we were having a conversation that like we've kind of had before in different ways where like like we're trying like we, we we try to find this balance of what each of us are contributing in our relationship which mm-hmm. every couple probably does or should 
right? Um, and I, I, I feel like I'm always struck with this feeling of like, I'm not doing enough. Like I, I just don't do enough. Like I don't, I don't help you enough. I'm not making enough an impact or something like that. Mm. And maybe resolving that and having that kind of impact and helping other people is, yeah. is the answer. Mm. Does that make sense? Have you felt like when you think about life from that, through that lens, does it make any experiences make more sense to you? Hmm. Not off the top. I'm so not good <laughs> at like quick thinking like that. It's, it's fine. And applying these things. It's fine. Maybe we'll come back next week and at the beginning yeah. I can, mm-hmm. maybe I'll have thought about it or journaled about it. Yeah. I mean, there has to be some correlation between getting sick and having the heart thing and mm. what I just said, right? Because those are so hyper-focused on me. It's mm-hmm. like these things happen to you. These things happen to you. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some correlation between what I just said and that. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think? Well, it kind of reminds me of... Um, I'm so hot. <laughs> God, what's his name? Andrew McMahon, who oh, yeah. also had cancer at a fairly young age mm-hmm. and then now does a lot of charitable work with cancer and has his own foundation, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if there's something like that that could be done. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, ever since I was little, I always wanted to write songs that helped people emotionally, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, like there are a lot of artists where people are always like, you saved my life. Like I was going to trigger warning. I was going to kill myself mm-hmm. and your music saved me. Yeah. Um, and I kind of always, I've like always had that in the back of my mind mm-hmm. where it's like, I want to be one of those people. And maybe it started with like wanting to be a rock star, mm-hmm. but maybe now there's a, a different way where I can affect people like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, it, and when, when we get emails about the podcast and they're like, oh, I listen at work all the time and it makes my boring ass job mm-hmm. like so much better. I'm like, oh, that's definitely part of it. That yeah. feels good. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, yeah. It's funny to come up to present day and not rehash all the things that we've already covered, mm-hmm. like you being the musician and coming into freelance work, mm-hmm. which we don't necessarily have to do, but it's just interesting. Yeah, right. Like the present day is I graduated college. I moved to Colorado. I got a job that I thought would be temporary. It lasted for over three years. <laughs> and I got laid off when the company downsized. And I was like, huh, that was good. And <laughs> now I do freelance music and the podcast. And uh, yeah. And I have Sarah. Oh, me. I just. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh... So that's where we are now. And we have. We have a lot of episodes prior that kind of go into deeper detail. Like we have a few episodes back. We have one about all the jobs we've had. So we kind of just wanted to, in a way, gloss over everything and just touch on all the big stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be future episodes on stuff that where we get more into it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? I don't think so. Okay. You tell me. We did the supporter shout out. Is there anything else that... We did the positivity box. They need to know about you to make the most of the podcast. Honestly, I feel like you're better equipped to answer that question about oh me. Oh, my God. What? It's true. Um, I don't know. Is there anything we missed? No. About my personality? Mm, you're stinky. I'm not stinky. <laughs> Is stinky a personality trait? No. You don't have nearly enough biscuits to contribute to this relationship. 
I feel like I need I feel like I need a sense of resolve here. Mm-hmm. A sense of resolution for right. this episode. Um, what's your life purpose anyway? I think my life purpose is to help people. Okay. And with the things I create. Because I'm always going to be someone who creates things. That's in whatever form that may be. That's what I'm supposed to do. I never thought having a podcast would be one of those ways. Mm-hmm. But it turns out it is. And yeah, my words and my tunes. Your tunes. Yeah. So what is, if you had to pick one piece of advice to give to yourself 10 years ago, mm. what would it be? Only one. As a 16-year-old? Or not necessarily advice, but something that they could know oh, to make God. them feel better or something. Well, let's, I'll go with advice because I feel like that. Or you know what? Not even 10 years ago. Pick the version of you that needs the most assistance and give them a message. Hello, this is Eric from the future. What if it's not the future? What if it's right now? (laughs) Um, That needs the most assistance. I feel like I would just, in general, tell myself to not, not to not be so hard on myself, but to love myself more. But it's hard because it's hard to know what that means right like even now mm-hmm. it's like we all should practice self-love and you're like yes we should and then you try and you're like what does that mean is self-love eating the french fries or not eating the french fries exactly <laughs> turns right. out it's both <laughs> on some days you eat them and on some days you don't on some days you eat biscuits instead <laughs> why are you obsessed with the biscuits <laughs> i just love the word biscuit 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 so <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's what my advice would be. Okay. It's like don't hate yourself so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you thinking back on a specific time when that I'm was not. an issue? I'm really not. I'm just okay. thinking of myself as a teenager, and I feel like like that. Like remember, like I talked about like punching my friends and like being that friend and like always being really loud. I mean, that's something we've talked about, but something I've learned after being with you i mean even after just like a few months of us living together Mm. like i feel like i really quieted down a lot i know i'm still louder than most people (laughs) but like the way i speak right now on the podcast i never used to talk like that and like i don't really when i'm interacting with people but it's just like this general like chilling out and calming down i feel like the reason i used to be so i mean i've always been like the leo the center of attention guy but, I mean, all of that has to come from, like, a self-conscious place, like, as a child and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's why I was always, like, being aggressive with my friends and, like, wanting to, like, play fight and whatnot. It was mm-hmm. just, like, some weird self-consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, just chill out. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a break. Like, you're you're okay. You're fine. Okay. And now I feel like I'm – now I talk softly, which is something I never used to do. carry a big stick? A yes. small stick. A hmm? medium-sized stick? No, it could still be large. <laughs> okay. Like old Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> right, okay. So, yeah. All right, shall do we you, wrap it up? Yes, what? do you feel like that conversation went how you wanted it to go? I didn't have any preconceptions about it. Do you feel like it was good? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it was good, <laughs> listeners? Okay, I just wanted to, I wanted to, like I said, I didn't want to just go over, like, here's a bunch of shit that happened to me and that's the kind of podcast you like to listen to though i know but i want to try to make meaning of things Mm -hmm. so as long as you feel like we did i'll feel i won't feel so self-conscious about it 
I think if you go into a conversation with the intention of sharing something that's useful to someone else, that the meaning, like your psyche gives you what you need to share. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it just comes out. Yeah. So I don't think you need to worry so much about. It's kind of like songwriting, you know? You don't necessarily have to. uh, Who are we listening to that talked about how they've been they really hesitate to share the meaning of their Trent lyrics Reisner yes from they, nine inch nails yeah so we were watching his song exploder episode on netflix and he was talking about what's the song called uh hurt hurt and he talked about how he really does not like to share the meaning behind his lyrics the interviewer was really kind of pressing him too but he's <laughs> like i don't because there have been many situations in which i've really connected with with a song and then the the singer the writer shared their exact meaning and it ruined the song for him they're like oh i thought it was about totally about something else and now i'm like oh Mm -hmm. yeah i get that so the moral of the story is if i shared it and it was important to me then someone else will find meaning in it right so it's like it and it brings us back to the beginning where i was thinking about Lacey phillips and how she was going through this really financially rough time and she was working as a personal chef in part um and then she she took a leap of faith, I guess, or actually the universe kind of pushed her into starting her blog or whatever, or putting her process out there for sale, I guess, is what happened. And even though my situation is not exactly like that, there's enough commonalities that it encourages me to, I'm like, oh, she now works in a field that's kind of related, but kind of unrelated entirely mm-hmm. to what she was doing before. So it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like, yes, I feel very mired in this like YouTuber, uh, like recipe, always turning out recipes persona. But it's it's encouraging to see someone else having been there and then they took what they needed to basically. Like she took her interest in healthy food and like kind of brought it into her larger business Mm -hmm. you know so i think it's just useful to share how you did something or what what you've been through yeah and what you gleaned from it okay well thank you Mm -hmm. um okay so next week we will do the same thing (laughs) but we'll be grilling sarah instead our special menu fresh grilled sarah nice all right (laughs) well we will talk to you next week then and um thank you for listening Ooh, my shoulder just popped (laughs) Not sure if you heard that, uh, but thanks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> see you soon. Bye. Or, uh, we'll see you if you watch us. <laughs>